0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online access to licensed counselors around the globe. If something in your life is making you feel stuck or you feel blocked from happiness, now is a great time to try therapy online. All you have to do is fill out a quick online survey and they'll match you with a counselor within 48 hours. And if you don't like that counselor for any reason, you can switch to a different person free of charge. To try better help and also really help out this show, head to trybetterhelp.com slash me for 10% off your first month of therapy. Thanks! Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help. Hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. friends, it's Sarah Mae, and today I am very excited. I'm chatting with Sam Talent, that's with two L's, and he is a stand-up comic turned author. So we're going to be chatting about creativity and being able to create something from nothing, as well as what he has learned from a career on the road as a stand-up comic and his roots in improv. And Sam has written an amazing new novel, it's called Running the Light, it's available at SamTalent.com and on Amazon. So first of all, nice to meet you.
1: Sarah, lovely to be um, here. Uh, Sarah May. Let's go with Sarah May. I prefer that. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just a better name to go with. It's more syllables. Uh, I will say, please just buy the book off SamTalent.com. Amazon yes. has enough money, so come to me direct. I'll give you that good stuff that you want. <laughs>
0: I apologize our copy is from Amazon. That's fine. But it was worth it just for the forward. I mean there's a whole letter to shitting on Amazon's how it works to build an ebook which I've done myself oh, okay. and I can test. It's so pretty terrible. So you got terrible. that ebook.
1: Did you get the one that was very poorly formatted by the people in Kuala Lumpur or did you get one that was readable?
0: <laughs> I believe it was the poorly formatted version. Okay.
1: That's been revised. I, That's changed it's, now. <laughs> it's,
0: it's pretty legible, but I'm I appreciated just the the humor of the letter to Jeff Bezos. Well, so, thank
1: you. Yeah, if you want the ebook, go to Amazon because I'm not gonna send you PDFs. I'm over that. I don't want to do that anymore. Just get the ebook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I also love the cover, by the way. I know you I think you said you had a friend design it.
1: Yeah, the one with the drawing or the photo of me.
0: Yeah, the drawing. I like yeah. the drawing a lot.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's my buddy Richard, who I've known since he was in diapers, and he's a painter now. And somehow he uh produced that and I'm grateful for him. Richard Ingersoll, Grave Daisy on Instagram.
0: Grave Daisy on Instagram. It kind of reminds me of is it Ralph Steadman?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hates when people say that.
0: <laughs> oh shit.
1: sorry. No, 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 don't apologize. I love it. Cause uh okay. I mean, Ralph Stedman rules, of course. And when I'm yeah. like, well, it's the same way when people say they like my book because it reminds me of Bukowski, where I get kind of fired up. And uh, I don't just... see that
0: at all. But no, yeah, ma'am. Okay. No,
1: you don't. Because you've read more than one book by Bukowski. <laughs> That's the issue <laughs> is that people want to give you a compliment and they think that as an author and a reader, that I'm going to be like, oh, Bukowski, thank you very much. But I think I'm very, very far removed from Bukowski. Yeah. Uh...
0: You know, it did. You're writing the closest thing I can compare it to is, um, I should have looked his name up before bringing this up, but is it Noah Hawley, the guy who wrote Before the Fall? Oh, he also I'm not, wrote I'm Fargo.
1: Not he wrote oh, the Fargo really? series,
0: but that's the closest thing I can relate it to.
1: Sarah May, and- <laughs> you're you're blowing my my nose wide open. I love Fargo. I just finished all of Fargo yesterday. Yeah, and I'm enamored with it. Enough. So thank you.
0: Yeah, well, he's the closest thing I could relate you to, but your I mean your book is a, a totally different read i feel like it's a new genre that's what i was telling my husband because it's like uh it's got all of the joy and laughter of watching stand-up comedy like those bits are equally enjoyable to watching stand-up and then it's also got like beautiful prose that's like so just eloquent and it feels like i'm a smart person reading it so it's got both of those things. And I'm and also the actual scenarios and the the scenes are so memorable and entertaining. Like the material itself is so meaty that I recommend this book just based on like good fiction. Like if you're looking for something that'll just like take you suck you in and entertain the shit out of you, I highly recommend this book. Well, that's so um, that's
1: so kind. I really appreciate that. I was really concerned with like uh, cause I'm a, I love to read and I love like all the pretentious, like the good books you're supposed to read the literature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I wanted it to be filled with prose and I wanted it to really, you know, be poetic on the page and stuff, but I didn't want to seem pretentious or up my own ass or get lost in the sentences. So like, you know, there's fistfights in there and there's three ways and there's like, they're, like you said, there's set pieces <laughs> that are fun to read and, you know, thank you. I hope it is entertaining as well as like, you know, yeah. makes you feel smart.
0: Yeah, Totally. I mean, it's got all. It's got the best of all worlds, Um, and it's just like a cool insight into this this life, you know. And I know that's partly based on your own life because you have been on the road a lot. Um, So for me, it was like also cool to just learn about what it feels like to be a comic that's like going from shitty hotel to tent by the road to back (laughs) of a car type of thing. Yeah. Um. Before I go any further, I just want to give a shout out to my husband, Adam, who really strongly encouraged me to interview you because he is a huge fan um, and said this was one of the best books he's ever read. So shout out to Adam. This is uh, dedicated to you.
1: Yeah, Um, Adam, this is. I love you and I appreciate you for spreading (laughs) the good word, Adam. Thank you for bringing me to your lovely partner. Uh, And this is I I just i am grateful. Also, Sarah May, I'm, I, if I get all blathery and like crazed, I've just been pounding coffee all morning. So okay, uh, cut me off. <laughs> put totally. put a dart in my neck if you need to. <laughs> okay, will
0: do. Um, cool. Well, I mean, this is totally informal. So I have some questions for you about like just how the fuck did you do something like this? Because like for me as a creative self-starter, I'm like I'd have that voice of, ah, shit. I mean, maybe I shouldn't do this. Like this is too this is fetched, or do people really want to see this? Do people really want to read this? Will this, will anybody buy this thing? Like, because I've made a lot of products myself, I feel like it's been so difficult to actually put something out there and you kind of did this. It feels like you did it effortless, effortlessly. Like you, can you tell me how you got a book out of you? And um, I mean, what did you always know you had a book in you?
1: Well, okay, let me let me address just so um, that voice you talked about, the whole like thing where you're editing yourself, where you're like, do people want this? Do people, will they give a shit about this? I think that's the enemy to art. And like you just being in your room and painting or writing, it should be the reward. I, obviously that sounds like naive and, and, and far-fetched, but like the reward of doing the thing, Of making the sculpture of of crocheting the the koozie that should be the reward in itself (laughs) so like then further on monetizing that thing you did is icing on the cake uh i think Mm because i for sure was very concerned that people would not buy the book once i put it out but i knew that the thing that i was selling this book i knew it to be very good i was very proud Mm -hmm. of it i knew that it compared to other books that i read that i was like okay Uh, This, this can stand on the same shelves as those books. So um, I just think killing that voice in your head, that's like, is this a worthwhile pursuit? Yes, it's a worthwhile pursuit, because you're using your brain to create something that didn't exist. And I think that like that. And again, I know it sounds very like utopian and, uh, and Mm -hmm. silly, but like, I do truly believe in that, you know what I mean? It's the same thing when you, as a a comic, when I go somewhere, and there's five people in the crowd, uh, in Oklahoma City, and you have to still do the best version of you so that they get their money's worth, you know? Right. Yeah, so like I don't know. I I got that directly from like Black Flag and the Minutemen and all those old hardcore bands where it's like they would complain that no one showed up and it's like it's not their fault. You give them Black Flag, you give them the show that they came for and then maybe next time they bring a friend and you got 10. And the time after right. that you have 20 and then it just kind of speedballs uh along those lines, but I, I I was I always liked reading fiction. I always liked uh, writing short stories, and my wife did her first two years of med school in Las Vegas, and it was a very lonely time. I wasn't surrounded by the people in Denver and my community that I that I was so accustomed to. So I just like sat down and wrote and wrote and wrote, and this came out of me after I wrote 150 or probably 100 thousand words of a different thing, and then this ended. The first chapter of this book ended up being. A part of that and I was like well I'm just going to oh, keep wow. going with this guy because this guy is someone that I can write that I know a lot better than these characters that I'm forcing to be real like this guy is real I've met him a hundred times he wears a hundred different okay. hats he has a hundred different names
0: that's I mean so when you started writing it was it just kind of like it just poured out like did you have that you know I don't know like creative vein that just started just flowing or or did you have to force it out at times like I'm just as far as your process
1: yeah so I mean again I don't have an MFA I don't have not college educated like I went to college I dropped out to do drugs so I don't know how to you're supposed (laughs) to write I don't know the correct way to create uh, a a larger work of fiction but I was writing I was writing one thing that was about my hometown the kid I would have been if I never left my hometown and then uh, that'll be, that's the next novel that will come out. I got like 75,000 words of that. And then I kind of got bored with that. And I was like, man, I'm really trying to like make this a Larry Brown book. Like how many times does this mm-hmm. guy have to smoke a cigarette in a pickup truck before we get to know him? So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to work on this other thing, which ended up, uh, so in this book that you have, running the light, he has two kids that he's like very distant from. And I ended up writing like 75,000, maybe 50,000 words of, the perspective of a kid whose dad was a comedian, the kid whose dad is gone and was you know raised without a comedian or without a father, kind of like orphaned by stand up. And mm-hmm. then I started writing bits and pieces of what his dad's life was like on the road. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. shit, I know this guy. And then yes, it definitely was like, nicking an artery. And then this book just kind of bled out of me My wife told – I thought I did. I thought I wrote this book over the course of a year. My wife pointed out that I did not start this book before we went on a vacation we went on. So I wrote this book over the course of eight months. And that's being gone on the road three days a week. And I never wrote when I was on the road. So it was eight months of four-day weeks just in front of the computer, eight to ten hours a day. Uh, Yeah, and it totally just like exploded out of me, man.
0: Wow. Have you ever read The War of Art?
1: I have not. Uh, I have not read The War of Art. I've read Stephen King's On Writing. that's And that's, oh, that's as great. far as I've gone. Yeah. I love that. People love The War of Art though. And I, I do want to read it, but I have a really hard time reading about art or like how to do art when you could just be doing art.
0: Yeah. It's a quick read and it's also kind of like superstitious. I had a weird reaction to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe I wouldn't recommend it. I was just curious because there's a lot of people that think of it as like you're channeling, you know, like from a another dimension kind of thing
1: sure Um, i like that because like tom waits always said that he would just sit in front of and i'm not a big tom waits guy like he's cool or whatever but i do like what he said about creating where it's like he would sit in front of the piano and then just talk to the muse directly and be like look you dirty old bitch like come at me right now i'm here i'm ready to create bring it on give me what i need right now i'm here for you i'm your conduit i'm your servant let's go wow and i kind of like the idea that like you can't do the thing you want to do unless you're in front of the instrument that allows you to create that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, you can almost hear that in his music. that He'd be calling his muse.
1: A yeah, bit. yeah, exactly.
0: Um, well, I mean, it's, I feel like that's a very, I mean, not lucky, but like the fortunate circumstance that you were able to just like, that it wanted to come out of you, that you were able to let it flow. Do you feel like you've always had that in your, because like, I know you had a punk band at one point and you were similar to what you were talking about with like Black Flag and the Minutemen. you were like playing to a small audience, and then it grew and it grew. Was there any point in your life where you were like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. I feel like an idiot. And if so, like, how did you get past that?
1: Uh well, I never had to get past it because I never had that. Uh I was I always believed very much that what I was doing was very important to me. And uh I also like like there's definitely times where you second guess where you're sleeping in a van with six other men and you have fifteen dollars and you all got diarrhea from eating blueberries on the side of the road because you didn't know that if you ate too many, you get poisoned. <laughs> And you're literally like taking turns going outside and you can't afford toilet paper. So you're using like old mad magazines. And there's times like that where you're like, shit, if I just would have stayed in college, I'd probably be making like 35 grand right now. Probably have a girlfriend and like a fixed address. And then you wake up the next day and it's 6 a.m. Sure. And you pass around a bottle of jug of wine all night and you wake up with the searing hangover. But you do get to see the sunrise over the Snake River in Idaho you do get to smoke weed in the graveyard in Savannah where they won't allow civil civil war soldiers to be buried. Like there's so many rewarding parts of being an artist in the act of being art that are like romantic mm-hmm. and important to me that when I would compare myself to my friends who bought a house when they were 25 and started having kids when they were in their thirties, I was like, you know, I I've, I've been to France and I've done stand up and I've been given baguettes from the people who made them like, there's all these really small rewards that I really take uh yeah. value in. You know what I mean?
0: Wow. I'm just curious because I'm like, that feels like so, an ethic that would be passed down to somebody. Like I, you remind me so much of my grandfather who's like one of my heroes just because he was like the same kind of way, just a, a lust for life, thirst for experience and afraid of nothing. Like changed careers, I don't know, hundreds of times and just like – picked things up because he wanted to try it and I I feel like it's a fearlessness that I try and emulate but at times it's like it's hard to not cling you know and like need structure or feel like I need a job otherwise I'm screwed but and like you're not screwed but you feel like you are Um, is there somebody in your family that passed that down to you or if you were you just born kind of like resilient
1: well, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say that I'm fearless. Like, I don't think that's fair. I just think that I have a very, very high bar for how much discomfort I'm okay with. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because, like, yeah, like my grandpa, my grandpa's rule. Like, my grandpa on my dad's side, this guy Ova, he was a hobo during the Depression. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he would take a train from fucking like Wichita, Kansas to Philadelphia. Go work in Philadelphia for two weeks. Come home, drop off some money, ride back. I just really believe in like the merits of hard work but i also don't ever want to work for anyone else you know what i mean like while i was figuring out how to have a career in the thing that i love i was also at times sleeping on the floor uh surviving off dumpster food like i would i shared a bed with my best friend for like six months uh you know, my best friend who's also, you know, 260, six foot tall, like it was not, there was no luxury to what I did. Right. But I always felt that I was doing the right thing throughout that time. And I really always worry that people think that I'm like trying to like make myself seem like tougher or like more evolved. But like, no, I, I just didn't care if I had $5 to my name, Right. like, because I would go out that night and I would get free beers at the bar and I'd be the funniest guy at the show. And, you know, someone would take pity on me and take me home and let me have a shower and like, you know, cook me breakfast. Like, if you're a good person and you give to your community and you can lead by example, I really feel like people want to champion you. People want to believe in you. Like the first thousand books that I sold of this book were through Venmo and PayPal because I put it up on Instagram and Facebook. Like, hey, I'm going to sell this book that day. Boom. The first initial thousand, twenty five thousand dollars in my pocket. But that comes from going across the country and doing the best fucking standup that I could do for so long. And then I got rewarded with these people's $25. You know what right. I mean? Like, I just, I think a lot of people want to try and give themselves excuses to why they can't do what they want to do. And it's like, you can, you just can't have a new Xbox. You can't have cool shoes. You're going to have to stink. Like literally, you're going to have to <laughs> smell very bad, you know? Yeah. And I did like I, I got sponsored by an overall company and they gave me free coveralls and I wore those for like a year. So when I went with my wife, I was I was dressed like Michael or from like Michael uh, Myers from Halloween. Like <laughs> I was just wearing bulwark coveralls and smelling like I slept in them because I usually did. Like, I don't know. That's awesome. I just I when I think about these old times, I just get kind of like sentimental and weepy eyed. And then also I have yeah. to be like, well, it did suck though. Like it was very hard. <laughs> it's very easy to remember uh, the sunrise, you know, but it's very easy to uh, forget the sunset type stuff.
0: Is it weird that when you said Michael, I thought of, and I don't even know if this movie is named Michael, John Travolta? Of, yes. <laughs> 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 You with his hair.
1: Oh man. <laughs> and, like
0: giant angel wings.
1: That rules. Uh, no because in that I'm... movie remember he smelled like whatever your favorite baked good was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so like if you had fond memories of your grandma cooking tortillas as a kid, he smelled like tortillas and I did not smell yeah. like tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> he smelled
0: like a serial killer. Yeah. I I like the other version. I love that you met your wife during that time. <laughs> yeah. It's like very romantic.
1: Oh, it is and also like now I know she's a writer. Like my wife has been with me through the worst of times. So now when she wants a Peloton bike, it's like, baby, you did the time. Let's get you that fucking Peloton. I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm in whatever you need. I'm there for you. And uh, yeah, man. And also like I really love love. Like I think love is the catalyst mm-hmm. for everything good in the world. So I've fallen in oh, love man. a thousand times and I loved it. I'd never regret one of them, you know?
0: I mean – I feel like I've shared that sentiment. I think love is the greatest thing in the entire world. And it's uh, the power of all things good. Mm-hmm. is exactly from the heart. When, Because you said, well, you feel like your spirit or soul or your personality is like, it's, it's so telegraphic. Like everything you've said about yourself comes through and just how you talk to people on every in like really small ways. It's like very clear who you are. Um, Thank you. That's a very high compliment. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like didn't have to read much of you or your posts or anything to be like, oh, this is a good dude. This guy's different. Do you feel like um, I feel like most stand up comics are not that way. And I'm just curious what how you manage to not come out the other side of stand up comedy being depressed and like Mm -hmm. self-loathing and um Billy Ray Schaefer for lack of a better term.
1: Well, so let me try and answer that as a two-pronged answer. I think that a lot of stand-ups are very afraid to be sincere. And I'm a very earnest and sincere person. And I'm not posting funny TikToks. I'm not tweet I never tweeted. I think Twitter's fucking poison and I hated it. Like a lot of stand-ups that I think I think they come off gross and so thirsty because they're constantly posting content that's like mid-level or not that good. And mm-hmm. I never really felt the impetus to do that because I know, and this is going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but sister, I am. I know that if you put me on a show, I am going to fucking kill. Like I never needed more approval because I know that I was very good at stand-up. Like actually mm-hmm. the actual job of doing 45 minutes to an hour of standing up comedy, I knew that I had that in me. So I think it just comes from like me being so... uh I don't know, self-assured, you know, that like I know that I'm good at this thing and then I don't need to be an asshole, you know, like I have nothing to prove. Uh I don't have a I have a chip on my shoulder, but I also like I love comedy. I love comedians. I love if I hosted two open mics in Denver where, you know, fifty percent of the comics in Denver started doing stand-up and I was there for them. I was like, look, this is really hard, and it's gonna be scary, but like this is also very exciting, so uh i just think that so many comedians are like gross and they're obsessed with their follows and they're obsessed with their in their engagements dude i have so many friends in la who want to talk about their fucking instagram engagements and i have zero interest in that i don't know what that means <laughs> like people will watch their stories to see who watched them it's like i've never ever fathomed that you know what i mean and i don't know again i'm just pulling the pin on all these word grenades and laying it on you and i'm sorry but
0: uh, no i mean i feel like it's I do think that's probably a social media or social media has probably like exacerbated it for sure just all people who are looking for validation as like the source of their self-worth it's like it's almost like the worst drug possible is social media yeah then you're just like chasing hits all the time definitely so yeah i feel like the self-self-assuredness self-assured, is definitely probably what made you resilient did you ever go through a period of like depression because I feel like I mean just being you know if you're using drugs often at least for myself I feel like the chemical havoc it wreaked on my ability to like regulate my brain (laughs) it it made me a depressed person much more so than if I had not been taking drugs so sure just curious how you're how you've weathered the emotional side of things
1: um, I never, I've, I'm very lucky. Uh, and I really, I, I think that, uh, that, I don't know. I might've saved a bunch of children from a bus crash in a previous life. Cause uh, <laughs> it's been pretty charmed for me. Like I'm overweight and like, I struggle with food and I struggle with being healthy in that way. And I always have since I was a kid, but like my mental health is, it, 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 I get, I get, you know what? I don't get depressed. I get anxious uh and i quit smoking weed i smoked weed like every day from like 13 until about t- till march well no two years ago uh because i kept getting such so, so, so much anxiety um and i never had that when i didn't have anything to lose like now like having a wife who i love and like a budding career in the old days when i was living for the moment literally every day was just a new chance to play grab ass with my hilarious friends I never really got that but now like I don't get depressed but I do get I do get anxiety mm. and like I don't know I I do like, I have to not I get when I get hung over now I get like really bad body anxiety and I think that I'm gonna like have a heart attack and die you know and like just the idea of leaving my wife widowed which I inevitably will do she's gonna live longer than me like you know uh, which I'm all good for. Uh, I love her dearly, but like, or at least dying before my parents, like that shit really freaks me out when I think about it, just how much that would hurt them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't get the depression, but I do really just get scared sometimes that something bad's going to happen and everyone's going to be mad at me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, wait till you have children and then it'll get oh, a dude. thousand times worse.
1: I can't imagine. <laughs> and my wife very much wants children. And, uh, Like, I know we'll be good parents and stuff, but also, like, I know I'm an inherently selfish person. Like, I like to do what I like to do all the time, for better or for worse. And just the idea of, like, serving I don't know if that's the word, but being in service to your children, like, putting them above your need to do whatever you want is, like, something I really gotta fucking figure out how to do, you know?
0: I know it sounds flip, but, like, I wouldn't worry about it because I feel the same exact way. And I was, like, super anti kid because I'm like, I'm going to ruin these people. And I <laughs> didn't want to have me <laughs> like I was a terrible nightmare of a teenager. And I'm like, yeah. this is gonna destroy me to be raising myself. And when they come out th- you're like, Oh, my God, like, it's like a different it's like a video game. And you get to the bonus level. And you're like, this is so much better than I could have ever imagine. No one could translate it to you. It's like, it's like a drug you haven't tried yet so it's different it's not like applicable it's not like a dog it's not like anything else it's like a next level elixir of
1: love so well, there's I'm, nothing
0: anyone I, could tell you to prepare you for it
1: no no and i don't think that sounds flip i think that the things that you know are said in redundancy are they're said that way because they're true you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah uh yeah, dude, I don't know. I just, I, I fear it so much. Uh, not ruining them, but just like. Ugh. But a lot of smart people that I've talked to are like, you should have kids. You'd be a good parent. You'll have good offspring. And I know my wife will rock and roll as a mom and I'll be a great dad. I had great parents and it's going to happen. This is me coming to terms yeah. with the fact that it's going to happen. You know, I think you're
0: going to love the shit out of it. I think you're going to be like, this is the best thing I ever did. And I've done a lot of great things. Um, I certainly hope
1: so. I don't think that I'll like hate them, but there are going to be times where I have to be up at 6 a.m. and just be furious.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. But then you'll be like, he's so cute. He looks just like me.
1: Right. Like Hopefully that oxytocin kicks in uh, Mm -hmm. all the time. I just want to be awash in that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I wish that for you. Yeah. Um, What else did I want to... Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So I think we've already touched on this, but I was curious... I know, because I know you mentioned on Mark Maron's, but I guess you were like, it hit my ego a lot that you had to self publish. yeah. And I had to self publish as well. And having written all those stupid query letters to a bajillion different literary agents and getting rejected, I was like, fuck it. I just want this to be out there. Um, what? How do you deal with, I mean, this is not even a failure because it obviously resulted in like much more financial success for you. Right. But like when you do have an ego hit, how do you deal with that? And like, do you have anything you tell yourself or how do you move past it?
1: Well, like even you're tougher than me. Cause I, I got hooked up with an agent. I got hooked up with the head of UTA publishing and he was like, I like this book a lot. I'm going to try and sell it. And then it didn't sell the way that he hoped to. And I was like, well, I, literally one person couldn't do it. So I was like, fuck this. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I, you know, like, People, because I've been hit up by a bunch of people who've been very kind, and they're like, "Look, the whole thing about self-publishing, I relate to it because I self-published, and blah 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 blah." And it's like, "Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't alone in that." Um, but like, I can't imagine just sent all the rejection, and like as a comedian, I'm tough. Like, I deal with rejection every evening on a second-by-second basis. But just like, I don't know, man. Like, what good on you, dude? Because I I couldn't take it. Um, I I the way that I get over rejection or i'm sorry what was the exact verbiage of the question
0: like how do you deal with hits your ego or failure yeah, or yeah. failure or even in the moment of like you said moment to moment uh rejection from like an audience like how do you deal with that
1: well like i've never gotten much love from the comedy industry um and I mean, comedians have always looked out for me and everything good that's ever happened for me has happened from other comedians hooking it up. And like that rules, I'm very grateful for them. But the establishment in stand up, I don't know if it's because I live in Denver or because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, I think I have things, like I know what I want. Like a lot of comics are 27 and they don't have any guidance and they only have 15 minutes and they're looking for someone to tell them what to do. Whereas mm-hmm. since I've been in standup, I've been like, I'm going to go do 40 to 45 weekends a year on the road and I'm going to make, you know, initially $300 maybe. And then I'm going to keep making more and more money. And then I don't like having a boss. So like, I'm not looking for an agent or a manager. So when the industry doesn't love me or when like publishing didn't love me, when the literati didn't like the fact that I'll never be reviewed, this book won't be reviewed by the New York Times does make me furious uh for sure but also like
0: i bet I, you're wrong about that i no, don't
1: know why i, I don't I, I you I know what Sarah may i hope that you're correct because that would mean the world to me but i mean even the la review of books hit me up and they were like we love this book but you don't have enough fucking social media presence for us to do a review on you i was like what the fuck do you want for that's me, people? so
0: weird isn't that weird yes i feel like everything's like that it's like unless you have done our jobs already. We're not going to help.
1: Well, that's especially in stand-up where they're like, oh, you know, I, uh, how many YouTube followers do you have? They want you to do the entire job for them so they can swoop in after you have hundred K followers and just take 10% of you. And I, yeah. I fucking loathe that. But also that, uh, that feeling of disdain that I have for the industry is very good, clean burning fuel. Like right. every time I don't get something, I'm able to take solace in the fact that whoever did get it, I would totally bury them. Like if I went before them on a show nine times out of ten, they're going to have a very hard time following me. Um, Right. And like that, I don't know. I don't want to call it spite, but I'm also hyper competitive, which is why me and my wife aren't allowed to play ping pong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So like anytime something doesn't work out for me, I'm able to dust myself off pretty quick and be like, well, they fucked up. That's not on me.
0: Yeah. I think that's like the best yeah the insight in their clean burning fuel i feel like we got to get it from wherever we can get it and Definitely. sometimes that's like about i don't know there is such a thing as like healthy regret sometimes where you're fueled by like i wish i did this better and there's also something healthy about like wanting to crush somebody else <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like, I, like I never want to
1: hurt anyone else i just want them to know that I mean, they were wrong that, and that yeah. i am the best <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, as far as like systems go, it's like, sure. I'm going to do it my way. Because yeah, there is a lot to be said for people just taking up, you know, y- sucking onto other people as like a source of fueling their own industry, which I think happens a lot in stuff like books, comedy, social media. I mean, it's everywhere. Right. So I feel like being a self-starter is there's something beautiful to it but i don't know i have a weird feeling you are going to be on the new york times bestseller list
1: well they don't i know they won't because at least not for this book i know they will not because they don't they don't accept self-published books for any of that shit um but the next book man you know and like i think that uh i have i have the acceptance of i have the approval of comedians like comics that i admire are like they know that i'm funny and i do a good job and that means the world to me but i don't have that in literature And, uh, you know, I want that very bad. (laughs) Like, uh, but also dude, like I, I, you know, you you don't, I'm going to do a two, I'm doing a two class period session at Yale in February. Uh, so that's cool. And like,
0: wow, what's that about?
1: Uh, my friend Mishka Shubali teaches at Yale and he's going to have me come in and to teach, uh, just two class periods. Um, that's cool. It's very cool. But like, that's what I want is I want to be able to go to like you know, read college in Portland and do a visiting writer's workshop. Like Mm -hmm. I want all the stuff that authors get um, and it'll come, you know, it will happen, but I'm just so impatient, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's another gift impatience. You think so? Um, Yeah. Cause it's like, uh, I mean, I'm the same way and I think it makes you a good producer. Like for lack of a better term, like you can get a project off the ground by yourself because you're, like constantly, like, why is no one doing this? This should just be done. I'll do it. Like, yeah, I think of that as a great skill set.
1: Well, I love that. That's that's so insightful. That's so smart. I, impatience is a virtue, <laughs> man. That rules. <laughs>
0: um, what are your or who are your creative heroes? I mean, I know you have many different disciplines that you dabble in, so I would take like authors or filmmakers or anything really.
1: Uh, you know, I love, I, so when I was a kid, I never really like loved stand up. I always liked funny people in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, uh, Fred Willard and I loved Bill Murray and I loved those like, uh, you know, 1993 to 2005 SNL casts, like Sandler and Spade and Chris Farley yeah. and like Will Ferrell and uh, Horatio Sands, you know, when, like when Anna Gasteyer was on and, Mm -hmm. um, those were always big deals to me. Uh, let's see what else was there. And then like, I I was always like, music was a big deal to me as a kid. Uh, my dad turned me on to a lot of cool stuff. So like, I loved all those SST bands. Like I loved all the old hardcore bands from the early eighties and stuff like, uh, Husker Du and Black Flag and I'm sorry?
0: Dad introduced you to them?
1: No. So my dad gave me the keys to like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and just like weirdo music. My parents
0: did too. That's so funny.
1: We were so lucky. My dad actually did. My dad, I think, did turn me on to like the noise punk stuff. They were like No Age and uh, Magic Markers because he would make me mixtapes. My dad – here's the thing with my dad. That's so cool. My dad ran a radio station online, Radio KRFC Colorado, which was like before – anyone figured out how to do online music. My dad had like the number one rated radio station on this website, Live 365. And he would make playlists and bands would send him music because, you know, people actually listen to it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and he also got Spin Magazine. So between my dad receiving a bunch of cool music from weirdo bands, like the Black Lips sent my dad music. And like, like I said, No Age and a bunch of great like country West, like uh, Drive-By Truckers sent my dad music. Like they're very early stuff. And he would compile all his favorite stuff and give it to me in mixtapes. So like that ruled. And then also Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone, Maximum Rock and Roll. Those were in the house. So I remember when I found out about like Lightning Bolt was on the cover of Spin Magazine and they just looked like aliens. And it's like that, you know, back in the day when you'd hear like, you would hear like people in the US see the Sex Pistols in a magazine or in the UK, they would see the Ramones in a magazine and not know what the music sounded like. Mm-hmm. And you would have to like, just have an idea of it. So like, you know, just, I'm sorry, I'm getting all worked up at my dad, he rocks. And he sent me a <laughs> hilarious text message today, because he raised hell in a footlocker because his shoes didn't fit that I got him for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he rules. And then like my mom, you know, my mom was there, but just like those early like comedy and music were so important. And then my dad would feed me books, he'd be like, you should read geek love, or you should read Father and Son by Larry Brown. So just everything that I know about that's cool, I got from him, um, and that's I also awesome. really loved, like, especially in music, people who did everything themselves, made their own merch, planned their own tours, all that shit. Like, just really got me going. Being in control of your entire destiny through hard work and just like friendship and dedication always has. It just I love that so much.
0: Wow, this is making me like energized. <laughs> Like yeah, I'm no, I'm getting I fired know. up
1: too. I, I did my yoga this morning and then just started pounding coffee. So my hips are opened up. You know, I'm ready to go. <laughs>
0: um, I used to make my own t-shirts too, and I miss doing it. I might start that up again after this conversation.
1: Well, um, I, look- I love you for it, uh, but man, <laughs> there are times when I'm in the garage. Every time I have to screen for a bunch of shirts, I'm like, how much money did this save me? What? How fucking seventy five dollars? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, what about books? Like any recommended must reads
1: must reads on for like personalized for you or like just in general,
0: I think in general, like I'm always looking for like the best book you've never read.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, the, the best book that my favorite book of all time is angels by Dennis Johnson. Um, it's about a bank robber and it's beautiful prose. He did the Iowa writers workshop, And he was the first person I ever found because you got your great like tough guy literature books, but none of them are like beautiful, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And Dennis Johnson was the first guy to write about like scumbags and lowlifes who also put together these just Sistine chapels of sentences. So Dennis Johnson's Mm -hmm. Angels is very important. I think the best book ever written is Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, which is uh, just about violence. Have you read that?
0: Uh, I had to. I actually wanted to write him a letter after I read that book because there were so many visceral descriptions that I was like, "Why does someone need to see this? Why does anyone need to imagine this happening?" Because it was so upsetting. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, I want to write him a letter, being like, "Why do you hate people?" <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> like today, de- to this day, one of the most upsetting descriptions of the. I won't even say it. Anyway, yes, it's a beautiful <laughs> book. Though.
1: Yeah, it's just so it's, I, uh, I, I don't know. Just, I, you know, what I love about that book is uh, that you don't get any glimpse into the inner workings of the characters. The only things you know about them are through mm-hmm. what they say to each other. And I think that that's just like, that's virtuoso shit. When you can get to know people yeah. without knowing what they're thinking, like, I mean, Sutri by McCarthy, Every Cormac McCarthy I think is the best we've ever produced as a, as Americans. Um mm. And, you know, people yeah. who like Roth and people who like, uh, you know, I mean, Joan Didion rules. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so those two books, I think, are like the pinnacle of what a book is for me. And there's also a book called The Dig by Simon Jones, who's Welsh, and he's more contemporary. And those three books were the books that I read over and over and over again, while I was uh, writing my book, just to know what like good books sounded like. I think That's my, my cool. favorite guy or my favorite person I found this year was Otessa Moshfay last year, I guess now, but she's just pumping out some really just like uh brutal, bleak prose without any violence to it. It's just the, these glimpses into these very small lives. She, uh, she's been fucking rocking my socks.
0: I'm so excited to Google these people. Yeah. Um, and then like also geek that- love
1: is about freaks. You should read geek love. You should read uh you know, read some Larry Brown. There's, I mean, that's the thing about books is I can go on and on about them. And typically people have never heard about these books because there's so many fucking books.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, and it's like, I mean, if you're working all the time and, and, or in the car a lot, like in Los Angeles, it's like you're kind of getting the next 10 best recommendations that everybody else is getting like through whatever, you know, if you're on audible or whatever others. So it's like, you don't, it's really hard to get good recommendations I've found for yeah. quality. Reading.
1: Well, I also um, like the more books I read, the more specific and esoteric my, my tastes like, so, you know, people try and talk to you about books and it's just, I don't know. It's really hard not to sound or feel like you're, you know more about people. Uh, it's hard for me. I don't want to sound like a dickhead, but I'm really very opinionated <laughs> about books.
0: Yeah. I'm well, one thing you said well about wh- when you're writing this book, you were reading other books to see what books good books sound like. I feel like that's a really healthy, helpful practice no matter what you're doing creatively. Like I feel like that's a way to learn who you are. a lot of people are resistant to doing stuff like that because they're like, "Oh, but it's copying." But I'm like, if you start by borrowing somebody else's voice you practice your own voice and you kind of get to know who you are you you're going to be you by default but like when you're i don't know i think that's like a really helpful creative skill
1: yeah no i i think that's. i mean it for sure i mean think about music you just you learn how to play the three chords your favorite bands are playing and then you build off of that um it's the same thing i think with writing Uh, You just know what sounds good to you. You know what rhythm is good on the page. And then you just try and like put your spin on that and make it yourself. There's a great book on Cormac McCarthy's writing called Books Are Made Out of Books. And I think it's like (laughs) very true. I mean, it's just like Cormac McCarthy read the Bible. He read Melville. He read, uh, you know, the fucking person who wrote about this different levels of hell, you know, the the Inferno, Mm -hmm. like Dante. It's just like, of course, he sounds like he's this. Epic creator of worlds because he, you know, read Faulkner, and that's why Child of God sounds exactly like Faulkner. You yeah. know, no one gets mad at him for that.
0: That's a great name of a book. Uh yeah. um, As a side, um, okay, this is a totally non sequitur question. Any regrets?
1: Yeah, I do regret not giving a shit about traveling abroad until I was like twenty nine. I really was into the idea of conquering America and like (laughs) America rules. Uh, And I've been all over America and I have friends in all the great cities and I love Americans, but man, I wish that when I was like 21, I would have, I wish I would have worked for two months in some shit job, saved all that money and then just gone to Europe and gone to Vietnam and gone to Japan and just kind of been a scumbag abroad. I do regret Mm. not having that foresight.
0: Well, maybe you'll enjoy it more with your kids and your wife and
1: hotel rooms. No, dude, I know.
0: <laughs>
1: hotel <laughs> rooms do rock for sure. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but also, like I, I mean, I was living pretty much in a hostel wherever I lived in America. You know, I was at right. least in a hostel. You have a bed.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Accurate beds are good. I enjoy beds as well.
1: But I think that's my only regret, and. My sister and my buddy David have been making fun of me for constantly bringing up that. And they're like, dude, your life is good. And I'm like, I know it's good. All right. Just let me complain for two seconds.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to complain. As an aside, apologies to everybody that can hear my six-month-old making weird pterodactyl sounds <laughs> She's in the background right now. And there's also dogs here. Thanks, COVID. I um, <laughs> do care. I think that covered all of my questions. I had such a good time talking to you today. Um, yeah, this was a blast. I would love to check in with you on your path when you are on the New York Times bestseller list because oh, so I believe that's going to be very soon around the corner for you.
1: You know, um, if on this next book, if I can get it published through traditional publishing, I think I can clear a thousand sales. You know? <laughs> The New York Times bestseller list for fiction is pff, it's such a joke. The more I, the more, you know, spite that I have, the more I lean into learning about these things I'm excluded from. And it's like, oh, why do I really even give a shit so much about that? Yeah.
0: I had a similar trajectory with TED Talks. Like, oh, I was like, yeah? I'm going to be on a TED Talk. And then I was like, wait a minute, why? Do I like all the TED Talks I see? Do I feel like those people are by nature like smarter? It's yeah. just like, it's one of those badges I think people chase.
1: For sure. I mean, as a comic, I'm just so credit obsessed. Having that logo of Comedy Central yeah. or whatever it may be on your flyer meant so much to me for so long that you now I just think the same way in all artistic pursuits. Yeah. You know, Sarah Mae, here's here's a fun thing. So <laughs> I just got a message from this guy. I fucking sent him a book to Mexico and it cost me $30. Like I lost money to send him this book. And he says, oh, I received your book today and I was disappointed that it was sent in an unlined plain paper mailer. Now the oh bottom God. of the book is dinged. Man, I have to do some push-ups after this. <laughs> dinged? You know how many of these I've sent? Ugh. I'm
0: so impressed that you have actually been sent. Because, like, I heard you talking about like that you've been mailing them out from your website. I'm like, that is, I mean, it takes like several hours for me to like package stuff and then yeah. send it to myself. And I'm like, I can't believe you're doing. Because you've been selling shit tons of your book
1: yeah so you it's been be it's like, been good
0: exhausted
1: i asked my wife yesterday if she was tired of me packaging books because i'm just when i'm not doing something else i'm sitting there packaging books and she's like no just because every one of these books is just 17 dollars for me I was like all right great <laughs> i want to kill this person i'm so furious
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh you know he's treating you like a uh professional establishment like amazon so i know
1: it being in poor condition is a real bummer since i have been looking forward to its arrival okay <laughs> very sorry
0: um well i hope the push maybe the push-ups are really the ultimate benefit to this situation you'll get healthier <laughs> as a result of this silver lining
1: yeah no i've <laughs> I've been trying to grab the reins on, uh, you know, health and it's, it's fun. It's just, God, Whew. I come from contact sports. So not having that as an adult is, uh, is tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jump on the Peloton you got for your wife.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, she did buy the one that was, uh, reinforced for executives. That's, that's the, that's the, uh, code for fat people. When you buy fancy things, is it's executive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I My brain went to um, more cushion support for ball sacks. Oh,
1: okay. We'll You're see.
0: Trying thing. You're trying to <laughs> say that men are executives.
1: Oh, man. You should be in advertising. That's good.
0: I, I uh, happen to also work in advertising. That's probably why I thought that.
1: Oh, perfect. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, I'm so uh, grateful I got this hour to chat with you today. I want to just remind everybody the book is called Running the Light. You should buy it at samtalentwith 2 com, And if you have to, it's also available on Amazon in Kindle form. Um, and uh, any random insights or inspiration you would like to leave with my listeners?
1: If anyone knows how to dock someone based off of an email, please hit me up because uh, this guy needs it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to put this <laughs> away before I... <laughs> Find, I have his home address, too. That's what's fucked. He's in Mexico. <laughs> uh, <coughs> no, you know what? Just uh, Sarah May, very charmed. It seems like you know what the fuck's going on, as opposed to 75% of the podcasters I talk to. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad to hear that you have a rewarding home life and a, a partner who knows shit about books and your kids are making pterodactyl noises. That's good. If you're a creative listening to this, just just create. You know, like quit reading books on creating, quit uh, getting on Reddit and getting in forums and listening to other people talk about how how they create. You just need to do it. Do the damn thing. Everyone's tired of hearing you talk about your screenplay. Just fucking do it. All right. And if you're not good at it, you'll get better at it and you're going to fail. And failure is a very good part because that means you're going to be better the next time. So just fucking do what you want to do and quit talking about it and be about it.
0: Hmm. I love it.
1: Me too. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm going to go procrastinate working on this revision. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.